You're listening to the Learn Like a CPA podcast, where we talk about all things real estate, tax strategy, and personal finance. Whether you're a real estate investor looking to scale your portfolio, or you're an individual wanting to take your financial freedom journey to the next level, this is a podcast for you. Hey everyone, before we get into the podcast today, I want to tell you about a brand new educational opportunity that I'm offering. Coming up in February, I'm releasing a comprehensive tax course for short-term rental investors. This course is designed to teach you everything you need to know to make confident tax decisions that will save you hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of your investing journey. Listeners of the Learn Like a CPA show can use the promo code PODCAST20 to receive 20% off of the course. To learn more, go to the link in my show notes and you can sign up for the pre-launch. There you will be notified when the course drops. And now let's get into the show. Welcome back everyone to the Learn Like a CPA show. I'm your host, of course, Ryan Bakey today. And what we're going to talk about today is we're actually going to do a deep dive into cost segregation studies. So over the last two years, I fielded hundreds of questions on this topic related to cost segregation studies. Um, after deep diving into investor personas, investor scenarios, as well as over the 200 clients that I've had at my real estate CPA firm, I've seen, I've seen some common patterns on who they work for, who they don't work for. And then in this podcast today, we're going to give you some general background on what the study is, you know, who it benefits, who it doesn't benefit. We're going to give you some frequently asked questions as well as maybe a case study. So let's start here. What does it do? So you can think of a cost segregation study almost like an advance or a loan from the IRS. If you are new and don't understand what depreciation is, I'd recommend that you go back and watch some of my earlier episodes on depreciation. The way you can think of depreciation is it is this loan or this advancement from the IRS because they give you an expense that you're able to take to offset your income taxes based on the the purchase price of the property, based on the building value. And so if you're, we're dealing with short-term rentals, it's going to be 39 years. And if we're dealing with long-term rentals, it's going to be 27 and a half years. So if I had a $390,000 building and it was a short-term rental, I normally would get $10,000 of depreciation. But with a cost segregation study, I might be able to get 25% of the building's value. So instead of getting only $10,000 a year, I'm getting 25% of 390, you know, so maybe I'm getting closer to $100,000 in that first year. Keep in mind that a cost segregation study will lower the basis of your asset, which means that when you do go to sell that property, you have to pay that amount of depreciation back, right? Depreciation, we do have to pay that back at some point when we go to sell the property. Now, there are some ways that you can get around that. We've talked about that in some of the earlier episodes, you know, how, to, how to exit tax efficiently. So go check that out if you're interested about that. But we have to consider accelerated depreciation alone, right? So there's normal depreciation, that's a loan. Accelerating the depreciation is just advancing that loan, right? We're able to take a bulk of that expense in the first year that the property goes live. And that's typically when you'll want to do it. Um, most of the time, you know, when your property goes live, like I launched three properties last year, that typically you're going to do the cost segregation study in the year that you place the property in the service. Well, who does it benefit? Right? So after dealing with over 200 investors and looking at their personas, you know, I've kind of label the list here of who it really does benefit, right? So number one, I would say people who are in higher marginal tax brackets. So I dip, I typically 
at the boot camps, the workshops, as well as part of the short-term rental events that I've been a part of, I typically recommend tax brackets 24% or more. And the way you're able to find this out is simply by just Googling your filing status, your tax bracket, see where your income is based on your W-2 or your business, and see what tax bracket you line up at. I would typically say about 24% or more, that checks box number one. Number two, who it will benefit is people who have lots of rental income. And don't think of this as, hey, if I don't have one of these one of these five situations, it's not going to benefit me. Just think of this as like a heat chart. You know, the more of these boxes that you're able to check, the more likely it is to benefit you. So we talked about number one, people who are in high tax brackets. So 24% or more. Number two is people who have lots of rental income to offset, right? So you might have a year where you have all these cash flowing rental properties and they're doing very well for you and you're running out of deductions and expenses to take. Well, accelerating the depreciation is a great way to speed up the, that depreciation and take that against your income and offset some of your rental income taxes. You know, I have clients that have bought a couple of properties years prior, and then this year their sole focus was, hey, let me buy another cash flowing asset so I'll have more depreciation to offset those older properties. People who have sold off properties that same calendar year for gains. So I see this all the time in clients and investors that I meet at you know, events is that they'll typically transition from long-term rental or multifamily and into short-term rental assets. So they might have a sale of a long-term rental, a couple hundred thousand dollar profit. And as long as they're buying another property and accelerating the depreciation on that, they can use the new depreciation to offset the old gain on sale. Number four, I would say people who have higher purchase prices. This is going to be, I would say, typically in the three hundred fifty to four hundred thousand dollar ballpark range is where it starts to make sense. Have they? Does it make sense for people who have purchase prices less than that? Of course. You know, I did a study on a property that I bought for two hundred forty grand. It will make sense for everybody depending on how many of these boxes that you can check, right? But typically, three hundred fifty thousand dollar purchase price or more is where it starts to make a little bit of sense. Lastly individuals who materially participate in their property. Now I could spend an entire podcast just talking about this, but remember it's going to depend on if you're a long-term rental investor or a short-term rental investor. And I have podcasts that will touch on both of these. So if you're interested in that, um, DM me, I will can refer you to that particular podcast that you need to check out. So, but if you're able to materially participate, then it checks that last box to say, these, all the stars are aligning, you should be doing the cost segregation study, right? So high tax bracket, lots of rental income, high purchase price, and then you materially participate. Who does it not benefit? Okay, almost the flip side, right? People who are in lower tax brackets, why? Well, we don't want to accelerate that depreciation in, in low tax situations. We want to accelerate the depreciation in years where we're in higher tax brackets. So where I typically see this for clients and even myself is you're going to want to take those tax deductions when you're in high tax brackets. So maybe that's when you're both spouses are working full time W2s and then you're taking those deductions at high tax brackets and then eventually one of you is going to retire or stop working and then you're artificially just going to be in a lower bracket compared to when you did take the depreciation deduction. So it does not benefit people who are in already in lower tax brackets because they're accelerating depreciation in years of lower taxable income. Number two would be little to no rental income, right? If you don't have any rental income to offset, there's no point of doing the accelerated depreciation unless, of course, you're able to take the losses against your 
your W-2 or your business if you can prove that material participation aspect. Another thing would be people who are in areas where the land value is very high. So this is typically going to be, you know, pretty much anywhere in California, uh, somewhere in Southern Texas, Florida, you know, Dustin 30A, Gulf Shores, these, these areas where the land value is very high, it doesn't make as much sense to do the study there because you're not going to get as much value out of that. Also, people who do not have a long-term holding mindset. And so this is important too when we're talking about the when does it make sense to do it, when does it not? Because people who do not have a long-term mindset, if you sell that property, remember you have to pay the recapture taxes back. So if, if you're not out here holding the property at least, in my opinion, at least three years, you're going to be paying the depreciation back anyway. And therefore, you're not going to benefit because you're going to be just handing the money back to Uncle Sam. So here's kind of where we get into the overall strategy. The strategy is all based on time value of money. So we want to be able to take deductions now when we're at higher tax brackets and even if we have to pay that money back at some later point, we will still come out ahead because the money that we're paying back later, we're going to be using the savings that we got now, invest those savings, and use those savings to pay off the taxes that we're going to eventually owe. So if you understand financing, you understand time value of money, number one, we're getting deductions that we're going to later turn into more money. But number two, if I had to pay somebody $50,000, I'd much rather pay them $50,000 in year 10 as opposed to paying them back in year one. Some of the things to watch out for. Uh, so there's a few, you know, I've seen clients and investors go wrong in a few different areas. So number one, I would say is if you are doing a cost segregation study, especially on a property that is a DSCR loan, Okay, a DSCR loan, go ahead and go check out some of my previous podcasts on financing and tax strategy. But a DSCR loan, debt service coverage ratio loan, most of them will have a prepayment penalty, right? So you have a penalty if you refinance or sell the property, typically before five years. Well, we don't want a domino effect of you getting hit with a prepayment penalty and you having to pay the depreciation recapture tax back. So if you're doing a DSCR loan, I would highly recommend that you buy out the prepayment penalty upfront if you're gonna be doing a cost segregation on that property, just because it'll give you that out if you want to refinance or sell the property so you don't get absolutely killed with fees and taxes. Another thing to watch out for is be very careful on doing a study in a property that is a, in a restrictive area where there's a lot of regulations or the regulations are up to change. So for example, you might be in an HOA or a community, a townhome where they have restrictions, you know, back and forth rules on whether or not they allow short-term rentals or not. Well, if you have a property and you buy it, you use it as short-term rental and you cost segregate it and you accelerate the depreciation, well, what happens when they say, well, no more short-term rentals and you're forced to sell? Well, now you have to pay that recapture tax back. So, you know, I even had this happen with a client of mine where, you know, they bought a property, <coughs> bought a property, and then unfortunately, you know, found out later that the HOA didn't allow it. So then they had to sell it. Well, you did, you know, you did a study on the property. Now you're going to have to pay that tax back right away. When does the study need to be done? Okay, this is also a very common question. So the study only needs to be done before you go to file your tax return. Now, should you get your study done on April 14th and expect to give it to your accountant and have them file the next day? Absolutely not. You should really try to have this study done a, a few months before you expect to file. 
But another thing too is, let's say we're in 2023 and you're you're looking at doing the study for 2023. The more accurate numbers that you have, the sooner you have those numbers for your study, the more detailed tax calculations you're able to make about your scenario. And so when I'm working with clients, I'm telling them, hey, the sooner you can get the study done, the better, because now we actually have more accurate numbers to work with and to do calculations based off of. So like I said before, the study only needs to be done before you file your return, but it's best to do it as soon as possible so you can get more accurate numbers. Lastly, one of the, the other common questions is, hey, I just found out about this cost segregation study thing. You know, can I do it on old properties? And generally the answer is yes. So you're able to do a change of accounting method and kind of catch up the depreciation that you've missed in the past. Now this requires, you know, rigorous forms. And I even think it says it takes about 250 hours just to file this form. It's very intensive and you're definitely gonna have to hire an accountant or CPA to do it for you. <laughs> but in the right scenario, you can catch up the depreciation that you missed. And it's a great opportunity for some clients. That is gonna be all for the show today, guys. We talked about what a cost segregation study is, who does it apply for, who does it not benefit. We talked about some frequently asked questions and we even did a case study. If you wanna learn more about this strategy in real estate, I, I do have the short-term rental tax training which goes in depth on cost segregation studies. And just as a reminder, as a listener of this podcast, you can use the code PODCAST20 to get 20% off the training. As always, Make sure you follow me on Instagram, Twitter, at Learn Like a CPA, and we'll see you guys in the next episode.